You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning, everyone up at the Mills. Hope you're having a great day up there. Welcome back, uh, Pastor Bill. Good to see you there today as well. I want to invite you all to turn in your Bibles to James chapter 4. If you have a Riverside app, you can go in there as well to James 4, and you'll find some notes that are in uh, your bulletins as well if you'd like to follow along there today as we continue in this message series, Blisters. We've been looking chapter by chapter over this book of James that was written by what we believe to be the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, and uh, he's got a lot of practical things to say to us about how to put our faith into action, and we really put that into practice Last weekend, as we participated in over 30 locations, over 400 people working together on Saturday and Sunday at Serve the Berg, it was a phenomenal weekend. I want to encourage you to join us next week. We'll be sharing with you a lot of the stories, video, and all kinds of great stuff about that experience and being able to celebrate and give honor to the Lord for what we were able to do together as a church and putting our faith into practice. And some of you, I was looking around at all the different sites, and some of, you, some of you were getting blisters by all the work that you were doing. We're talking about that and applying that to our faith, that we're not just simply hearers of the word, but we are doers of the word, that we don't just simply put our faith in Christ and then sit on our hands the rest of our lives. We do something that shows that we belong to Christ, that we're following him. And so we're going to continue in this message series with James chapter 4, and I'm going to begin in verse 1. And really, this text is really a perfect preparation for us in both locations for the Lord's Supper at the end of our time together today as we look through these verses. So beginning with verse 1, you can follow along and we'll put the words up on the screen. James asks the question, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Let's just stop there and pause for a moment and reflect on that. What is it that starts fights and quarrels among you? In your home, in your marriage, your relationship with your children, with your parents, with your friends or your family, at the workplace, in the neighborhood, at the four-way stop, in the traffic, on the parkway. I asked my family that question a couple of weeks ago when I was working on this message. I said, hey, guys, what? we were sitting around the dinner table. I said, what do you think it is that causes fights and quarrels among us? And Josh didn't even skip a beat. He said, Jenna, our daughter. <laughs> she slapped him, and then that we continued to go on, you know. So that's, uh, that's the perfect example right there. But think about it in your own home. Is it, you know, is it the thermostat? that causes your fights and quarrels? Is it the remote control? Who's going to control the remote control? Is it where we're going to spend the money or how much we're going to spend on this or that? Uh, Is it, um, you know, when we're going to go to this location? Is it, is it a timing kind of a thing? Is it, you know, Hey, I'd like to be early and, and on time is late to me or something else. Um, is it, you know, I was thinking about our softball team being away this weekend and, and, and when we play in sports and the fights and the quarrels that go on there and all that stuff. I was out at uh, Missouri for vacation a couple of weeks ago. And one thing that I noticed as I was out there, I was playing a lot of tennis and there were clay court tennis courts. So when I was there, uh, I didn't hear a single fight or a single quarrel. And when I'm playing here in the Berg, when we have mostly the concrete uh, uh, courts, uh, there's a lot of fighting and arguing over calls. But when you're on a clay court, It's right there. You can't escape it. So you just go over and say, nope, I was wrong, or yep, I was right. And there wasn't any fights. 
and there wasn't any quarreling. But you know, just as well as I do, that we all have those days when we find ourselves fighting and when we're, we are quarreling with each other. And I think that that is certainly true. In fact, James was writing to churches. And we see from the Old Testament all the way through the end of the Bible, fights and quarrels constantly going on. You'll see it in the very first uh, sibling rivalry between Cain and Abel. You'll see it all through the nation of Israel. You'll get to the disciples and watch Jesus have to wrestle with the conflict between the disciples that they would have. Then you get into the book of Acts and there's arguments there and there's fighting and there's quarreling there. Well-meaning Christians who love God and want to serve him still have disagreements at times. And that's just a part of it. But how do we handle that? What causes that? What's at the core root of those things? Now, I think a lot of it has to do with how we're wired. I think a lot of us, um, how, how many of you would say both locations, you're a morning person? Okay, so you're fighting your best at morning. And uh, how many of you are late night folks? You're able to fight late at night. See, I'm a morning person. My wife's a night person, so we don't talk in the morning or at night. We kind of talk in the middle of the day because she'll have the upper hand if we're talking at night, and I'll have definitely have the upper hand if we're talking early uh, in the morning. Uh, We're wired type A's and type B's, introverts and extroverts. Some of us like to get our work done first, and then we can play. Others of us like to play first, and then we get our work done. But all of those things, how we're wired, creates conflict. Some of us like stuff really, really neat and orderly and tidy. Could I see your hands real quick if that's you? Okay, kind of OCD. You can be honest. Okay, a little self-diagnosis here. And how many of you don't care as much? You're not maybe quiet. Yeah, okay. So a couple weeks ago, my kids showed me a video. And they said, Dad, this is you. And I said, you know what? Painfully, there's a lot of me in this video. And I said, I have to share this with the family of Riverside because it encapsulates so much a lot of the conflict that we can have over the course of time. And we're going to get to the text, but I think it's too good not to share with you. So in both locations, you have permission to laugh. Okay. In this particular situation, you have permission to elbow the person next to you if they seem like they fit into this same category too. Are you ready? Let's take a look and see what might just might be the source of some of the conflict in our relationships. Hello, Mr. Neal. How are you today? I'm good. Um, where's the rest of the group? Oh, it's just you. I'm the group? Yes, but don't worry. 
I don't need anyone else. That picture frame, those hooded strings, they are driving me insane. Unequal pizza slices, found some different sizes. It's more than I can take. To take a break. Yeah, actually, that'd be great. great. I hope you're hungry. I prepared some snacks for you. Enjoy. Free to go. Mr. Neal? Mr. Neal? Can I come back tomorrow? How many of you can relate just a little bit somewhere? We've all got some OCD a little bit somewhere with something. In fact, for those of you who uh, would enjoy doing so, I intentionally asked the ladies in the office this week to put five intentional mistakes in the bulletin. So you feel free to see if you can find them. Up at the mills, Pastor Bill has a bulletin with the key to show you where those five are. If you want to come see me or him afterwards, they are in there. So I know none of you are paying attention now. You're all looking at the bulletin. At least you'll remain entertained. So I asked on Facebook a couple of weeks ago what it is that causes fights. I posed this exact question. What is it that causes fights and quarrels among us? And things like selfishness, fear, rejection miscommunication, unrealistic expectations, unmet needs, ego, 
lack of respect, pride, not having healthy boundaries, stress, lack of understanding and compassion, all of those things made the list. And I want you to see in verse 1, the last half of that verse, how the brother of Jesus, this guy named James, answered that question. And he said, in, in relation to what causes fights and quarrels among you, don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Those, that word for evil desires is the word that we translate now, the word hedonism. And it's basically the idea of our passions. And I want you to notice there that James then describes how the passions within keep us from getting blisters without. Another way of saying that is that our sin keeps us from putting our faith into practice, that keeps us from living our faith out like we should. He goes on in verse 2 and he says, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. Now, he's not literally talking, I don't think anyway, he's talking to a group of churches I don't think he literally means murder, but he's applying what Jesus taught when Jesus said, when you have anger in your heart toward another person, it's as if you've committed murder in a spiritual sense. So they got that anger. There's that tension. We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it. We can't get it. And so we scheme and we get angry about it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. He's talking there about prayer. We want something, but we never talk to our Heavenly Father about it. That should be the first place we go. But then he says, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you, and here's that idea again, pleasure. He's talking about our passions, the evil desires, the selfishness and the comparison trap that we all fall into. He's talking about the impure motives that cause us to get lazy and distracted and overwhelmed and we avoid putting our faith into action. James continues his rant in verse 4 and challenges us to really dig deep and to examine ourselves and consider the condition of our hearts and our level of obedience. He's drawing a line in the sand here. Look at what he says in verse 4. You unfaithful people, you adulterers is the way that the other versions translate it. You unfaithful people, don't you realize that making friends with God's enemies and what are and who are God's enemies, the evil pleasures of this world make you an enemy of God. I say it again, that if your aim is to enjoy the evil pleasure of the unsaved world, you cannot also be a friend of God. Well, what do you think the scripture means when it says that the Holy Spirit, whom God has placed within us, watches over us with tender jealousy? And you may be sitting there here or up at the mills or listening by podcast and saying, you know what, I've gone too far, that you're beyond redemption. But these verses describe not a God who is longing to punish you, but rather a loving heavenly father who is longing for you to return to him so that you can be made whole and be filled with his peace. So how do we respond to these indictments? These are pretty strong words from James. How do we respond to this stuff? How do we put our faith into action in, in the context of these verses? When do you start to have blisters spiritually in your life? I think he's going to give us some thoughts here over these next few verses, some recommendations of how we put our faith into practice. And the first one is simply, it's not rocket science, it's stay close to Jesus. 
Look at what he says in verses 6 through 10 here. He says, but, and this is the transition. He's going to start to make the turn here. He gives us even more. What's that next word? Grace. Aren't you thankful for his grace? It's the ability in the moment to live out our faith, that grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, and he's going to quote here, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34, he says, God opposes the proud but favors the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God. Here it is. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Where are you today in thinking about where you in relationship to God are? You get close to God through his son, Jesus Christ. He made and paved the way for all of us to have that personal connection to him that he longs to have with us. He goes on and he says, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts. This is a terrible, terrible thing to say about a follower of Jesus, but I think we can all relate to this. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And there's that tension that we all face. It's not unique to any one person. We're all in that battle together. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. And then he counsels us to humble ourselves before the Lord. And he will lift you up in honor. These verses are a dissertation on repentance. They describe the personal work that every single one of us must do. We need a cleansing. We need a time of uh, admitting that we're wrong and owning our rebellion. We've got to do this work internally. So we stay close to Christ. That's how we begin to put this faith into action. We walk in step with him by his Holy Spirit who longs to draw us back to him and help us to walk this out. He also encourages us to humble ourselves. And I put that simply in your notes as to place yourself under the authority of Christ. We're called to humility. It is an act of our will. We can't fully follow Jesus closely if there is pride in our lives and if our lives are completely consumed with sin. Now is the time, today is the day for us to confess our sins to God and to others, to say that we're sorry for the sin in our lives, for the relational breakdowns, for the times when we've been selfish, when we wanted our own way. Now's the time to say we're sorry and to mean that from the core of who we are. And I'll tell you what, as I was reading that three times, it says there about humble, it says God opposes the proud. If you want to know what God is doing, He's over here. He's over here opposing the proud. I don't want to be a person full of pride. And I hope you don't either. He says instead to humble yourselves. Humble yourselves before God. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And we were talking about this as a staff this week. And I said, you know what? I would rather any day of the week humble myself before the Lord rather than have him humble me. Because it's never pleasant when God has to humble us. So again, take time right now in this moment. Maybe you just say, God, my heart's full of pride. And I want to place myself under your authority. I want to humble myself. I want to ask you to forgive me for that. And then he counsels us to put our faith into practice by standing against evil. And I came to tell somebody something very specific today that if you've believed a lie that you cannot resist evil, 
that you cannot stand against the devil? I'm here to tell you that you can. Jesus did it in the wilderness when he was tempted. He showed us how to do it through the word of God. And that same Jesus, if you're following him, his spirit lives inside of you and equips you and empowers you and helps you to be able to resist and to stand against evil. We hate what is evil and we cling to what is good. We get the help that we need to stand. We don't have to do this alone and resist the evil that's all around us. We resist the devil when we refuse to hang on to bitterness, when we don't give in to temptation, when we don't hide in the darkness, when we seek forgiveness of others and we choose to forgive them. We resist when we spend time in God's word every single day, just a little bit of time getting his wisdom, getting his counsel, getting his direction for the day. And we say, Spirit of God, would you speak to me through your word? And then, God, would you give me the courage to follow through on what it is that I've heard you say to me? We follow through on what he directs us to do. We resist the devil when we praise the Lord in the bad times as well as in the good times. We resist by asking for courage to do what's right, even when it's hard. And then when we are tempted and we see the way out because God provides the way out, we take that way out because the Holy Spirit helps us. So I have to ask you, put them in your notes, what sin are you and I tolerating? What is it in our lives that we know better? We've got to let go of it today. Where is the pride in our lives. How are you comparing yourself to somebody else? Your comparison, your comparison will eat away at you if you do that all the time. Or maybe you're looking down on them. Or maybe you're, you say, yes, I recognize today as I'm hearing this and I'm listening that my, my loyalty is divided. Where is that division? What can you do today to say no to the division? and align yourself with his plans and his purposes for your life. James concludes these verses by reminding us that when our faith is truly being put into practice, we live as though we are completely dependent upon God. He says in verse 13, Look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town, we'll stay there a year. We will do business there, make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow, he says. Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, I will or we will. Look at the level of obedience. Look at the level of dependency. If the Lord wants me to do this, I will do this. And I will follow through on what he wants me to do. If the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own plans. And all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. To make plans without considering God's plan is the same thing as arrogantly claiming to be in full command of the future. And none of us are. None of us knows what the rest of today holds. None of us knows what's coming up this week. But we follow a risen Savior who sees further and knows more deeply 
where our path is headed than we even do. And he longs to direct us and to guide us into that plan and into that purpose. And we will put our faith into action as we stay close to him, as we keep in step with him, as we place ourselves under his authority, as we humble ourselves, work at maintaining that Christ-like attitude, as we give others the benefit of the doubt in those conflicting moments, as we look for the best in each other rather than in the worst, as we seek to place our expectations not upon one another but upon our Heavenly Father and look to Him and ask Him what He wants of our lives. We do this as we stay close, as we place ourselves under His authority, as we stand against evil all around us, and as we live as though we are completely dependent upon Him. Challenging chapter for us today. Things for us to think about. Things for us to ponder. And I want to turn things over in just a moment to Pastor Bill up at the mills. And he's going to take you through a time of reflection and prayer. And we're going to do the same here in Oakmont as we prepare to head to the table. I'm going to invite those of you here in Oakmont that are going to be serving us the elements to head toward the back. And invite the worship team back in both locations to come. And we're going to respond We're going to give you a chance to reflect and think about what you've heard this morning, to do something with it. So I hope that you all have the mills. Have a great week ahead. Look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you, and I hope that you have a great time around the Lord's table this morning. So I'm going to invite you here in Oakmont, if you would, to just bow your hearts with me, and I just want to ask you some questions. This is a chance. We're not in any big hurry this morning. We're We've got time. We're going to respond in song. We're going to take time to hold on to the elements. We're going to receive them together. And if you're a guest today and you're wondering, can I be a part of this experience if I'm not a a part of the family here? We have information in your bulletin on the left-hand side there. If you want to take a look at that, you can see right where we're at on this whole issue of communion. But basically, if you're saying, I'm a follower of Christ, that's what he asked us to be, is to be his followers, to, to not participate in this unless we were deciding intentionally and committed to living out this life of faith. That's an individual decision that you'll make today. But I want you to know that you can be a part of this with us. So where are you in this whole issue of staying close to Jesus? And just bow your hearts and close your eyes. And just, this is time of self-reflection. Do you feel close to him today? Or do you feel distant? What would it take for you to feel more in step with Jesus? What would it look like for you to humble yourself before God? In what ways do you need to resist the evil around you and to stand against it? Some of us are making plans without God. What would it look like if you invited him into your plans? submitted yourself to his authority with regard to your future the plans that you have for this week this next month the coming year what would change in your life if you were living wholly dependent upon him what will you do with what you've heard today how will you apply it 
Jesus said we would be really wise if we would listen to his word and do something with it. But he also said that if we listen and we don't do anything with what we've heard, we're pretty foolish. So Lord, your word tells us there, those words in James, that it is a sin to know what we ought to do and then not do it. We've been warned today. Now that the matters have been pointed out to us, we have no excuses. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us to bow the knee of our hearts and to do something that is the next step that would grow our faith and our trust in you at deeper levels. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.